This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the PowerCat Podcast, GoPowerCat.com's Kansas State Athletics Show. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, from the GPC studios, here's your host, Go Cat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to another edition of the PowerCat Questions podcast brought to you by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Make sure you stop into the fridge whenever you come to Manhattan, and that better be this weekend. It's the Cats and the Sooners at Bill Snyder Family Stadium, 2.30 p.m. kickoff. I hope you make it to town. It is going to be a fun day at the Bill. Tim Fitzgerald, Zach Carlson, Cole Carmody, Ryan Gilbert, all four of us are here with two dogs that need attention, damn it, right now. Uh, guys, I'm fired up. I'm fired up for this weekend. I'm, I got a feeling. I don't know what it is. I don't think it has anything related to the game, but I got a feeling. You might want to get that checked out. I'm going to go get that checked out in the morning. <laughs> oh, man, what a horrible, horrible performance by Kansas State this past weekend down in Stillwater. The Wildcats lose 31-20. to It wasn't that close. Didn't feel like it was even attainable. You sat there in the press box, or I did, and thought, well, if they can find a way to score a touchdown. And then I thought to myself, oh, they can't find a way to score another touchdown. They they kind of got great fortune there with Deuce Vaughn making a great play. Jaron Lewis getting the ball, at least to save a little bit of face by scoring in the second half. But, boy, that was not the type of performance we have seen so far from Kansas State. And it better not be the type of performance they put on the field on Saturday or they're going to get smoked because OU is coming with a purpose after losing two straight to Kansas State. This is how it works. Our subscribers at GoPowerCat.com get to post these questions in a thread at the premium message board, Wabash Station. We pick the ones that we want to listen to, answer. We pick. Okay. Other people pick it. I don't read the questions, so I can spontaneously respond to these questions as I spit. That's why I put a microphone spit cover on my face. And uh, that's how it works. And so then it's spontaneous for me. And our segment sponsors, by the way, are Tanner's and the High Low. Make sure you stop in. It's a perfect day to go to Aggieville pregame, go to game, go back to Aggieville and postgame. 230 kicks are the best kicks. Mm -hmm. They're the best. They're the best for our Manhattan business community. I can tell you that. I don't want to mess around here. Let's get going. Ryan Gills Gilbert has got the questions this week. Zach Carlson has got a dog that he's keeping track of, and Cole is about to have his computer die. I'm doing great. Kills, take it away. First question comes from Darren Sproul's super fan. I thought Will Howard was having a good game till the fumble. Did the passes look good live? Yeah. And, in fact, his stats looked awful, but, damn it, the receivers have got to compete for balls. I don't understand. It's like, oh, you want to knock it away? Go ahead. Oh, I was going to catch that, but if you want to knock it away, just go ahead. I... It, 
I don't know what's going on with K-State's passing game. There's, If it's not one thing, it's another. If the quarterbacks aren't seeing receivers or putting the ball on the money, and the receivers aren't going to go get the ball for the quarterbacks. you got to go get the ball. That isn't just high pointing up a throw upstairs. You gotta you gotta use your body to shield off a defender and make a catch. This is pathetic. I thought Will played pretty well. Then the fumble, I mean, he's gotta cover that ball. I don't know what happened on that. It, it was a fiasco, and I'm not sure if that's when he got banged around a little bit, but it wouldn't surprise me. He got contorted or something in that pile, and that's when he was injured. But yeah, that that, that just broke K State's back. I think it broke their spirit as much as you know, the scoreboard got unattainable at that point. It was what a what a mess, and also set up by the fact that Malik Knowles. It wasn't that he tried to bring the kick out. I got no problem with that. I don't think teams do that enough. It was the fact that he hesitated. I don't care if you're in the end zone or out of the end zone. If you hesitate with what you're going to do on a kick or a punt, you're screwed. You're, it's not going to go anywhere. You have to be definitive and go with it. And he was not definitive, got tackled at the seven. Next snap is an Oklahoma State touchdown. That was it. That was the game. And if we look back over the course of the day, the rest of the three quarters we watched were all just to practice to get us to the end of the game with an Oklahoma State victory. K-State wasn't going to win. I think what's crazy is you take that fumble away and, you know, we talked about, oh, well, you know, if they can get a score, then it's going to be somewhat of a football game. Well, if you take that touchdown away with them falling on the football in the end zone, even if that drive resolves in a K-State punt, it's probably somewhat of a game, and it's absolutely. completely different. It is absolutely a different game. I, it, yeah. it was just it's, wild. It changed the game, and it changed the offense's confidence in being able to move the football. Because that first drive, even though it only resulted in three points, they looked really good. Mm-hmm. They were throwing the ball around. They were getting more receivers involved, and they moved the ball well. And there's no reason to think that they couldn't have done that had they not had that fumble. Because I think that fumble just completely deflated them they weren't going to win that game after the fumble i thought will howard threw the ball well and i've been saying that and you know i didn't realize four of 12 you're right not good statistically but you look especially on that those first and second drives i mean he was throwing the ball and it was the best i've seen will howard throw the ball more than 10 yards 15 yards down the field i mean it was never in position to get picked off. That's the thing that I think K-State fans, if they're going to go back and see, okay, what positives can we take away from the quarterback position? It was that Will Howard never put the ball in harm's way, maybe minus the pass in the end zone where you have two guys running in basically the same spot. So there's two K-State receivers and two Oklahoma State defenders, which had to have been a blunder on one of the receiver's parts. There's no way that those guys were meant to be right there. But either way, either one of them could have caught it. So I thought Will Howard threw the ball great. And like I said, I, I, you guys, Fitz, you were in the press box. Zach was on the field. I was in the stands about six, seven rows up. So that happened right in front of me. And I, I was very impressed with how he threw the ball. And you know what? I, if you're going to take something positive away from that, I think it's that that was the best I've seen Will Howard throwing the ball. Mm-hmm. I agree. He would look good. They look good, and then it all kind of fell apart. Yeah, I'm usually the quick. I'm the first one to blame Will Howard. I'm very quick with that, and I think that the wide receivers, I'm with you, Fitz. A lot more blame on them than Will Howard. It's just something. Every time, receiver doesn't compete, quarterback doesn't put the ball in the money, or in the case of the play you just mentioned, two guys, someone actually ran the wrong route or something. You shouldn't have two receivers there in the same spot on that touchdown attempt. I It was I'm really concerned about the offense. It just isn't very exact and well-honed right now. 
And once you get outside of the running game and they couldn't run the ball, Oklahoma State did a great job taking away the running game, and K-State just didn't have enough oomph in that offensive output. From Wildcat Pilot 88, third quarter, it's third and one to go with nine guys in the box and a tenth guy on the edge of the box. Why does K-State line up in the shotgun and hand off the ball to Deuce five yards deep? The statistics on this play have to be overwhelmingly unsuccessful, yet they do it multiple times per game. Why not use your big QB under center to just fall forward for a yard? It's a very good point. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know if that's a effort to try not to get your quarterback hurt or what, but... You know, Kleiman said at Tuesday's press conference that they did get pretty protective of Jaron Lewis because they knew Howard was hurt and they didn't want to get him hurt because then they were down to Jake Rubley, who's nowhere near being ready to play. Um, so they got a little conservative. I, I don't know. I have never liked that. I've never liked a shotgun hand up in a short yard, hand off in a short yarded situation. Here's here's the deal. I wrote about this play in Tale of the Tape that was up on the site on Tuesday and. You know, if you don't want to run your quarterback, completely understand that. If he's banged up, fine. We'll put Jaron Lewis in. And if you don't really want to run Jaron Lewis, well, guess what you can do? It's not like you have a tight end who played quarterback at K-State for two years in Sammy Wheeler who knows how to take a snap from under center, was a quarterback all the way through high school. How many times have we seen? The Chiefs did it earlier this season with Blake Bell on their roster. They, they were lined up in the shotgun, third and one, fourth and one, whatever, motioned Blake Bell across. He went right up under center, snapped the ball, got a, got a, you know, got a first down with the quarterback sneak. That is something that you can do. Right. Even if it means, hey, okay, well, we're just going to line up with Sammy Wheeler then and do a quarterback sneak, or we're going to put Ryan Hennington, who has you know backup, ex- you know quarterback experience. Not saying that that's something that they would actually do, but if you really wanted a quarterback sneak, you'd find a way to do it. The quarterback sneak is the most successful play in all of football because you can never get negative yards. If you want to run a quarterback sneak on third and one, the worst you're going to be is fourth and one. So. To me, it made absolutely no sense. But again, if you're if you're going with the same logic as well, we don't want a quarterback sneak. Then why don't you put Jacardier Wright in, who is six foot, two hundred and twenty-five pounds? Exactly. I'm not you okay over there. <laughs> Thank you. The 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 play call is less of a deal than the personnel for me. You you're putting in Deuce, and you expect him out of the shotgun to be able to to pick up you know five plus yards. It's just kind of ridiculous when you think about, you know, what the the goal is to just get a yard. You know, you just need a yard or two to get that first down. You have other personnel, Joe Irvin, Jacardia Wright. You can't just expect Deuce to be able to pick up yards at will like that, especially when they load the box like that. Um, You know, it's shotgun's the wrong place, you know, to do that, I think, or it's the wrong formation to, to try getting that yardage. But, you know, go under center, hand it off. You don't have to quarterback sneak it, but just don't be so predictable. To me, what was so frustrating about this is, I mean, nine, ten guys potentially in the box. Why don't you check out of that and take a shot play? I mean, it's third and one. You haven't done anything on offense. I remember sitting up in the stands and, you know, telling the guys around me like, hey, if you're going to take a shot, this is the play you need to do it because you have to have confidence that you can get one yard with the quarterback sneak with a run no matter what. If you're going to take a shot, this is the play to do it. It's not really something that K-State did much of the game at all, but minus the first drive. And that was very disappointing to see, but it was almost like, 
when Will Howard was banged up, as you know, Coach Kleiman said, they just went to the to to the the solution of we're going to do everything we can to try and grind it out and get four yards, three yards, four yards, and eventually Deuce Vaughn's going to break away for a touchdown run. Well, the logic kind of worked because he did break away for one, but they needed three. So, yeah, I I I, th- I just feel like the the play calling gets extremely conservative every time adversity is there, and that is not a good sign. Mm-hmm. I agree. And you know it's bad when even the biased ESPN Plus announcers are are bashing that third third and one play. I mean, that was I agree, and they even those guys were disagreeing with the call as well. We well, can't disagree with Ryan Leaf, <laughs> the best number one pick in the history of football. Yeah. I saw him in the press box and go, man, you're tall. That's all. That's all I said. <laughs> From Kned, what did Oklahoma State's defense do to render Joe Irvin and Jacardier Wright not even worth seeing the field? I, I can't explain it. That's one of those questions I don't I don't understand what what we're doing. I'm at a loss with what they're doing with the offense. So you're facing the an opponent who you know is going to be aggressive in stopping your run. So you get less creative with your play calling. They showed the diamond formation on the first snap of the game and never showed it again. What the hell are we doing here? What, why do we even have that? If it's just going to be window dressing, that absolutely means nothing. If you're not going to try to establish that as a formation from which you can build an entire offensive scheme, get rid of it. It's serving you no purpose. You're wasting practice time. If you're not going to use something in a game, quit practicing it. I didn't understand what the purpose of the play calling was. Literally, I didn't didn't grasp. I know it's challenging. As Chris Kleiman pointed out, they've been able to run the ball against nine-man fronts. They've faced it. You're not going to do it with just basic pedestrian handoffs that – the defense can see what's coming. I don't. I, I was totally at a loss with what they were trying to accomplish. There was no real motion. To, I I don't know, guys. I'm just I'm at a loss for what they were doing offensively. Put all three of those guys on the field with a quarterback out there and open up that damn playbook. Quit saving crap. Quit saving for a special day. That was your special day. That win changes your entire complexion of your season, and you get very vanilla. Baffled. I'm just baffled. What's crazy is it was a two-score game. They had the ball, and they were going into the fourth quarter. If you were to tell me going into the game, K-State's going to be down 11 points. They have the ball going into the fourth quarter. I would say, okay. You know, I I think K-State has a chance to make it interesting. So, as 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 somebody who has seen the highs and the lows so far of this season and who obviously doesn't have as optimistic of an outlook as the coaches, you would think they would feel pretty comfortable with those odds too. But the bad part about it was it felt like they they never thought that they had a chance to win the game. Chris Kleiman talked about, oh, well, you know, you're in a big hole after that. You're, you're chasing points. And, and I, I, I agree with that. But at some point, you have to let that go. You have to say, we are where we are. We need to do what we need to do to try and get points. And it never felt like they truly had the urgency of, all right, we're going to go score. How many t- You watched Oklahoma State in that first half on offense. Every time they got the ball, they were in rhythm. They looked like they had a game plan. It just didn't look like there was any game plan, which was the most frustrating part of everything. Okay. So I have... 
I've heard people make the Ron Prince comparison to Chris Kleiman. And as someone who's been up close to the program during both of those coaching regimes, you're wrong. I mean, there's there there's some similarities. In fact, bowl game, losing season, third season, let's see what happens. I get why you're saying that. I mean, what wrong with what went wrong with Ron Prince was he wasn't a good person. Chris Kleiman's a great person. I, I mean, I I've met no one who says anything different. So I, I push that aside, but his comments about playing from behind did strike a nerve with me with stuff Ron Prince would say. Ron Prince would say that all the time. If you're playing from behind, it changes everything. No, it doesn't. If you're three touchdowns down, it changes a lot of things. If you're running out of time and you need to score three times, yeah, you're going to do wacky stuff. If you're down two scores, and in this case, one and a half, you take the lead with two touchdowns. That doesn't change a damn thing unless you're in the final minutes of the game in which you don't have time. You can run your playbook as designed all the way into the final minutes. In fact, that's a good way to go about it. Don't open it up until you absolutely have to, although you can argue that the Liberty Bowl, they opened it up too late because all of a sudden they opened up the playbook and Skylar Thompson's completing passes in case it scores. Look, I... I have a real concern with Chris Kleiman that I'm seeing, and and I just want to get your feedback on this, guys. Winning was easy at North Dakota State. They didn't win all the time. They lost some games. Winning was a was something they just did on a regular basis. But because of that, this guy's never consistently coached from behind. He's never faced some of these timeout situations. He's never faced some of the decisions he's having to make in competitive Big 12 games because he was not in that position as a head coach at North Dakota State. So I think there's an acclimation period here that he needs to get through, but no, there was nothing. If you're down, once they scored that touchdown in the second half, get back to running the ball or doing whatever you wanted to do, and don't abandon your game plan. Of course, they couldn't really run the ball because they weren't doing anything that would force the issue with Oklahoma State. Here's Deuce. We'll hand it to him now in the backfield. Go tackle. That's what I felt like the game plan was. Well, what happened in the second half was they made adjustments on defense at halftime. They kind of figured out what they needed to do. They found their groove on defense and said, this is how we're going to stop. And they did. Credit to the defense. They shut them out in the second half. Any way you look at it, Oklahoma State put up zero points. Could they have scored on the last drive? Sure. But at that time, the game was over. They put up zero points in the second half. And Fitz, Zach, Ryan, I don't know how you guys feel about this, but the buck stops with Chris Kleiman. He has completely given control of the offense to Courtney Messingham. He that he has said in multiple times that is his best friend since he's been 11 years old. I trust him with I trust him with everything. So, he is the one that's in charge of the offense. I feel like at times and obviously not having any being around the two that 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 much, but I just feel like just from their you can tell from their own relationship, it's like Kleiman will say everything you decide what you want to do with offense. I'm going to focus more on the defensive side. I trust you with the offense. At what point does Kleiman say, okay, he hears a play call in the headset and say, nope, we're not running that. That hasn't happened. There's no way that's happened because I believe that Chris Kleiman is a good coach. 
And I also believe good coaches are not afraid to over overturn their coordinators' calls. I don't. I feel like that hasn't happened yet. No, no. I and I, coach mentioned it after the Stanford win that he spent his entire preparation on the defensive side of the ball, getting that three man front ready. That's not the broken side of the ball anymore. I don't think you can do that. No. You, you guys, I don't know if you guys had a chance to watch Monday Night Football with Eli and Peyton, but they interviewed Nick Saban. Nick Saban said yes. Oh, what's he know? <laughs> right? Yeah. He's just the other national championship yeah. winning coach. He said he, he spends time with the defense and with the defensive backs because he was a defensive backs coach. Chris Kleiman has said, guess what? He probably does the same thing. He spends time with the defense. But Nick Saban also said, I have to make sure I spend time with the offense. I have to make sure I'm involved in the game plan of the offense. I'm not saying Chris Klein is not involved in the game plan of the offense, but it sure as hell doesn't look like it. No, I agree. From Dr. J54, are you picking up any indication that Chris Kleiman is unhappy with the play calling? Yeah, I am actually. I mean, he mentioned schemes post game and it, it sounded like it wasn't just about defensive issues, which was the question I believe he was answering. But I think he knows they've got some issues over there. And it's not just play calling. It's it's players and play calling. But it all gets back to coaching. At the end of the day, it's coaching. If you guys aren't competing for balls, that's, that's coaching. <clears throat> they shouldn't be on the field. If your quarterbacks don't know how to read defenses, that's coaching. Play calling is clearly coaching. So, um, yeah, I think he's getting there. I do. But, again, it's an issue. It's your best friend. And I don't know where that takes us, but this isn't good. This is now turned into – I didn't buy into the criticism early on, but after what I saw Saturday, this is an issue. This is an issue, and let's get to Saturday and see what happens against Oklahoma. But um, if it's a pretty generic game plan again, I, I don't know what to say you got to pull out some rabbits here at some point to do something. I just, I feel like there's too many highs and too many lows. There's nothing in the middle. You're either going to have a really good game like OU the last two years, or you're going to have just bad games like we saw against Oklahoma state or, you know, West Virginia a couple years ago. There's plenty of other games that you can look at games. You should be able to win, right? but you were not imaginative, imaginative That's enough. It's, it's, tough, a tough word. it's a tough word uh, to, to make good play calls and to open up the offense a little bit. It's just K-State's offense at times is extremely predictable and you know what's going to happen and you can you can see it coming. We have very needy dogs in this room right now. They're very I think they can they can tell we're worked up a little bit. Mm-hmm. They're all over us. It's kind of funny. Gills from Itain BB. Good job. Daniel Itain BB. <laughs> Messingham or no Messingham? That is the question. Uh, I don't know what to say. To that I, I mean, we're going to have Messingham, so they better sort this out. Here's 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 where I'm at in this whole thing. You ha- you cannot be afraid to tell your best friend no. You cannot be afraid to tell your best friend what he can do better. At the same time, you cannot be afraid to tell your best friend he's doing a good job. I feel like. You're not really best friends if you don't give them criticism, if you don't try and help. Because at the end of the day, Clemen doesn't want Messingham to fail. No. He wants him He wants him to be around as long as he can. But on that same token, 
is he going to take the fall with him? Or is he going to say, I got to worry about me too? That's going to be the dilemma because there's going to have to be a point in time where he addresses it. Somebody is going to ask him, how come the play calling on offense is what it is? And is he going to, how's he going to, how's he going to answer that question? Because at the end of the day, he's the one who gets to decide that Messingham or no Messingham mm-hmm. question. They've got to sort it out. I mean, he's got to get more involved in the offense. I think that's clear. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see some changes on the offensive side of the ball in the offseason. But the question becomes, will it be enough to actually make a difference? Is it going to be just moving some parts around like they did in the offseason, which clearly hasn't done a damn thing? No. That's what I was going to bring up. Mm -hmm. When you look at the performance of the wide receivers and the fullbacks and tight ends, has anything changed or improved? No. Not really. Nothing at all. It it was a worthless change, basically. So you're still at square zero. You don't know what you can do to improve on. I think Connor Riley is probably the only coach on the offensive side of the ball that probably deserves no criticism. I think that I think the offensive line is far and away the top position group of of the offense. But you look at running backs. Why? Why is Joe Irvin and Jacardier Wright not in a position to be be able to go onto the field? You know that at some point that comes down to Brian Anderson. We, we quarterback play. We discussed this though in the pregame walk up to this. If they're going to focus on Deuce Vaughn, use him in the slot and put Joe Irvin back there to run the ball. Use Deuce as a decoy. They didn't even use Deuce as a decoy in this game. You know, you look at quarterback. I don't know if I saw it on Twitter or somebody, if it was in our group chat or whatever, Skylar Thompson is still a Bill Snyder player. Mm. When you think about it, yes. he's still a holdover from that previous staff. And, you know, or, you know, he's obviously a player, not staff, but you get what I'm saying. You know, Will Howard, Jaron Lewis, Jake Rubley to an extent. He's not really ready yet, but those are climbing guys. Those are guys for this. And at some point, I think you're going to have to ask the question, is Colin Klein the right guy to lead these guys and get them better and get them ready for this offense? And same goes for Messingham. Are these play calls? Is he putting together? Is he the maestro of of this offense? And can he get everything to, to gel together? I don't know if he can. Jason Ray? There isn't really a lot to say. I'll give Jason Ray a little bit of credit just because K-State has picked up two tight end commits. So if you want to look at positives as a whole. If we're talking about recruiting, I think that's a whole different thing. Fair enough. At this point, what we've seen on the field, what has he done that other people can't do or do better? It's hard to tell. It's hard to tell for sure. Um, Mr. Dadman. Mr. Dadman. Does Chris Kleiman need to find another buddy in the coaching world that can help implement a different scheme, offense scheme like he did with the three-man front? I like the question, and I've had that same thought. But I'm sure a lot of us have had that same so, thought. It, you know what? I have no problem with the offensive scheme. I I have absolutely no problem. This What they want to do on offense will work, but not as applied. If you go back and look at what they did at North Dakota State, there was a lot of misdirection, a lot of building things up so you can use this play. I see no form to the play calling. I see no, we're going to establish this to do that. I haven't seen that all season. I see plays that work. They they find a good play that worked against Nevada with the tight end running free up. The, that's great. That's a one-off, wonderful, nice job of scouting. 
Scripted, I might add. Yes, but at some point you need to be able to say, hey, we're going to constantly – we were running deuce here all the time, and now off of that we're going to play action, do this. I just don't see it. Maybe I'm just naive and I'm missing it. I'm missing the brilliance here that isn't being executed properly. But I know this offense can work if they run the damn offense with some creative play calling. Get into the game and let it fly. I I almost sense that they're being so worried about not having Skyler that they're just not doing anything. I um, 100 million thousand percent. There, it almost feels like they're in paralysis of analysis. They just can't get through analyzing what are we going to do without Skyler. So let's just keep it as basic as possible so we don't turn the damn ball over. It ain't working. And it ain't going to work for the next two games. I can tell you that. That's it for the first half of the Powercat Questions podcast. We'll be back in the other half with more. And we're sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast continues after this short break. Let's go! It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Welcome back to the Power Cat Podcast. Now, let's return to the GPC Studios. Welcome back to the Power Cat Questions Podcast. Tim Fitzgerald, Zach Carlson, Cole Carmody, and Ryan Gills Gilbert from here at the GPC Studios as we plod forward. I got a little uh, pod forward? Plod, not pod. But no, we're podding no, forward. That, no, we are podding. Oh, my God. As we pot forward. Okay, I did it. Yes. Um, they got a little tense in here. The dogs were a little worked up. They didn't know quite what to do. But they're calm now. They're both laying down, so let's proceed quietly. We're sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Get into the fridge whenever you're in town. And our segment sponsors are Tanners and the Hilo. Now here are more of your questions from Wabash Station with Ryan Gilbert. From El Camino Cat. Give a grade to each position group based on your per- perceptions of their performances in the first four games. How does this compare to your preseason expectations? We'll go one by one here. Start with quarterback. i got to be incomplete here. I mean, we've had one game of Skylar Thompson, and they won that game. I mean, yeah, give me some more time. And if you we're talking about the backups – they're not as good as I thought they should be. I, I can tell you that. I mean, Jaron Lewis is in his third season in the system. Uh, I don't know. They're not as far along as I would like, but I would grade the quarterbacks on Skyler more than the backups, which is pretty typical of any position. But um, if he plays against – if Skyler plays against Oklahoma and they win again, I'm going to give them an A+++++++, even if Skyler isn't great. I think Skyler looks good against Stanford. So if we're just going to grade that, I'll say as a whole, you include the backups, 
comparative to your expectations, right? I mean, that's kind of what this is. I mean, I mean, my expectations were if Skyler goes down, Will Howard, there's going to be zero drop off because he's the best backup in the country. Fair enough. <laughs> there should have been zero drop off based on preseason comments. I'm sorry. It's a C minus for me. Mm-hmm. It's fair. Overall, I say D. I mean, Skylar Thompson, you said he looked good against Stanford. He missed a few plays, that interception. He really didn't play his best football despite winning those That's games. True. So, and overall, I'm not. <laughs> Will Howard and Lewis, definitely D. If there's one place I'm not going to dock Skylar's, that interception. Yeah. That was a good play by the defender. Mm-hmm. Sure. Mm-hmm. He still missed a few throws, though. That's fair. Apart from that. That's fair. But the interception, that was just good football. His throws to Matter Bebe were, was it him that he missed? Yeah, that damn dropped, yeah. Okay. All right. What's our next position group? Running back. I would say I've got no problem with how the running backs performed against Oklahoma State. I just don't think they were given anything to perform with. I'm giving them an A. I would, too. I think they've been pretty good this year. I think Joe Irvin has been extremely good. I think Jacardier Wright, when he's gotten the chance, has been really good, too. And they both exceeded my expectations. And quite frankly, Deuce Vaughn has exceeded my expectations, too, in the first four games. So I'm giving them an A. I guess, yes. On-field performance, give them an A. But they should have more opportunities. I I think... It's frustrating talking about in the first half, you know, why why even, you know, take them on the trip with you if they're not going to play. But given their know. chance. But if, you know, when they've played, they've looked great. Joe Irvin's looked great. Jacardier, for the limited carries he's had, has looked good. Deuce, I would agree, exceeding expectations. So, yeah, I'd probably go A there. But, boy, Joe Irvin and Jacardier need to play more. I agree. A B plus. Okay. Just, uh, I mean, what, Deuce had, what, 20-some yards? On Saturday, again, not his fault. I, I'm not I, putting I know, that on him. But it's hard to give them an A when, when that happened. I know that's on the play calling and then the quarterback situation. I get that, but I'll go B plus. Newsflash: Ryan Gilbert is a ticky tack professor. Last, and I'm gonna say I'm gonna defend Deuce one more time. I'm gonna make you change your grade here when I say this. There's no other running back in the Big Twelve that scores a touchdown on that pass on that play when Jaron Lewis threw the ball. Hmm. John Robinson might want to have a word with you. I still don't know how. Or Brees Hall. He, he fell down, got back up, caught it, out, ran, outran everybody to the edge, and somehow scored. No other running back. It was one of the most broken plays I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> it was done, yeah. and he resurrected it. I still don't know how Landry Weber held that block it was that amazing. long. It was amazing. That's why he plays. If I'm Oklahoma State's coaching staff, I want to talk with that defensive back. He looked like he just <laughs> gave up on the play. He couldn't figure out why he was still being blocked. And then mm-hmm. here comes the running back with the ball. It was weird. It was good to talk to Landry today about it because he uh, he was mystified. He said he glanced back and all of a sudden saw Deuce running towards him and he went to block someone and he went for the first guy and thought, no, Deuce can outrun that guy <laughs> and then locked up the other guy, which was a perfect decision. Yeah, it was awesome. mm-hmm. It's only a perfect decision if Deuce actually outruns the guy. And then everyone's like, why didn't you block the first guy that Deuce did get by? But Deuce got by him. I don't know how Deuce then skirted the sideline. and It was incredible. I, I love that. An actual in-game thought was, ah, Deuce can outrun him. <laughs> we're good. We're good. <laughs> ah, Deuce got. Ah, Deuce, is good. Deuce has got the wheels. So that means I have to give the wide receivers an A, right? Yes, that's what you got to do. That's the only play that gives them an A. Uh, is that what's up next? Sure. 
Yes. Okay. It was supposed to be, I'm going out of order, Zach. Please don't That's murder it. me. It's fine. We're okay. It's still offense. <laughs> I'm going to say D, D minus. It's hard to grade them. I mean, you want to say that they don't get opportunities. Really, the only opportunities they got were against Oklahoma State. I I don't feel comfortable giving them that low of a grade based off of one game. But you go back and look. Again, it's kind of like the running backs for me. They don't get a ton of opportunities. You know, like Joe Irvin and Jacardier, they played well when they played, but they need to play way more. Same thing with the wide receivers. When you're targeting Deuce six times, the tight ends four times, you know, that's still greater than 50% of all the other targets for the wide receivers. So, I mean, and even then when the wide receivers get targeted, they're still not living up to what, you know, living up to the opportunities they get. Well, they have a backup quarterback in, too. That doesn't exactly help the situation. I, but they I, should still be able to make plays. These I, aren't a bunch you. of freshmen. I'm with you. But I just think all the variables as far as timing, as far as dumbing the playbook down, too. I don't think we've seen everything. I still think that there's more in the tank for Phillip Brooks. I still think that there's more in the tank for Malik Knowles uh, with getting him open, scheming to get him open. Instead of saying you have to beat somebody one-on-one, scheming to get him open, him catching the ball and running after the catch. I still think that there's time now. I'm with you that they have not performed to the level that I think people thought they were going to be, and the expectation was not set very high. But I would give them a C because I still think that there's some in the tank. Man, you talked him up to give him only a C. How can you give – so if you can't get – if you're just going to rely on them to get open in one-on-one and they can't do that, how can they get anything above a D? I think it's because it's based off of expectations. I'm not sure. There, we thought that every single person on this wide receiver core could win a one-on-one battle. So they then haven't. it becomes – that's what I'm saying. So then it becomes, well, what do they do when they are schemed to get open? Does that make sense? They shouldn't have to be schemed to get open. They should be able to win that I one-on-one disagree. battle. I disagree. And when they get the little separation, Malik Knowles should catch balls that, ca- that hit his hands. I agree with that. But I, I disagree that it's completely up to the receivers to get open on their own. I'm going D+. Plus. I'll agree, Zach. Offensive line? Should we go out of order again, Zach? Yeah. Screw it. Zach is going to kill me. I'm not going to kill you. Why? What, I'm not you? following the script. Offensive line? <laughs> what are we doing? Yeah. Uh, Pick one. I don't care. Offensive I, line. I will say B- minus only because of what they did Saturday or didn't do Saturday. I thought they were really disappointing. I didn't think they played with the same kind of aggression and focus. I don't know what Oklahoma State did. Maybe they... Put something in the water, but this team was awful passive down there, both sides of the ball. I'm going to go, I'm going to split it up and I'm going to grade the left side of the line and then I'm going to grade the right side of the line. And then average them together and then that gets your aggregate score. The left side of the line is an A. Okay. Maybe even an A plus because I think that Cooper Beebe and Josh Revis have been excellent over there. Noah Johnson's been very good as well. Except for the snap. Except for well, not even necessarily his fault, but sure, he oh, should have had that. That was that at his was, knees. That was that was Noah Johnson. As an old lineman, I would like to say the quarterback should catch that, but I, I guarantee you, with you his knees, no, if you ask Noah, a, a touchdown happen. Yes. Yeah, Will Howard should have taken a safety. That's not what we're talking about, though. True. Right side of the line, a C, because Ben Adler has looked good at times. Christian Duffy has looked good at times, but they've also looked really bad at times. So overall, that grades out to a B. A B. I agree. We'll go B plus because I think that 
when the running backs have ran well this season, you got to give the you know, the offensive line enough credit there. And I think when you look at what they did against Oklahoma State and it downgrades them a little bit, I think BB plus, that's about what it is. Best what unit on offense, I'll say that. Agreed. Hmm. I would say Which is funny backs. because we graded running right. backs at A, right. but <laughs> but because of the offensive yeah. line. Yeah. Well, but it's lather, rinse, repeat with, with offensive line. It doesn't really matter what you're doing. The running backs haven't been able to you know, reach their full potential because of the play calling and the quarterbacks. Even if the play calling is bad, if the offensive line takes over the game, you're going to score points. That's, that's my theory. You're not wrong. Sure. We're going to the defense. Now. We're going to no tight end, tight end fullback. Come on, Fitz. Oh my god! Calm down, Skip those guys. Gills asked the questions here. F minus. <laughs> look, um, I haven't been overwhelmed by the tight ends and fullbacks. I mean, Daniel Matterbebe had the great catch, wonderful. Now he's out for reasons unknown. Um, I don't see anything dynamic going on here. I, I think they got a whole bunch of guys playing this. M- mashed up position of H back, whatever you want to call it. And I'm not seeing much. They don't do enough schematically to have, make those guys have an impact on the game, which is sad because they have some tight ends that can really make an impact on the game. But if you want to just go off of what they've done, I think you have to give them a B because they had a night. Daniel modern baby had a nice, he's made a few nice catches. He had that nice touchdown. I think Jack Stanine has actually not done a terrible job as a fullback. He's had some nice blocks, so, I mean, they haven't they haven't done anything bad. So I'll give them a B. Then I'll go C plus because they haven't really done anything good. I mean, other than the touchdown from a matter baby, what else really has there been? Not much. You see some flashes from from Sammy Wheeler, Ben Sennett. You know, there's there's guys there. It's just they they haven't had much opportunity still. I think Nick Lon- Nick Leonard's has blocked especially well. I know Clement talked about that last week, but after watching him, he, he's like, you know how Gronk was in New England? He was basically just another tackle. It's kind of what Nick Leonard's is at this point. I really like that role for him. Mm-hmm. I agree. I'll go B, just because a lot of people want to only focus on how many catches and yards they can get, but that's only half of a tight end's job. And like you said, Cole, the blocking's been fine in my books, so I'll go B. Yeah, I... I would probably just put him in C. You know, I, I don't think there's been anything shocking. I've seen Nick Leonard's do a great job of blocking, miss some other blocks. I just, I, I don't feel like they're in, how can you, nobody seems involved in this offense other than the quarterbacks and Deuce Vaughn. Nobody seems to have a defined role. So it's just hard to give them a grade when they're not being leveraged very well. All right, Fitz, you ready? Yeah. We are turning the page to defense. Oh, boy. Defensive end. Uh, I'm going to say B. Um, Again, impacted greatly by what we saw this weekend was not getting off blocks, not playing in the backfield hardly at all. So they they have to be big this weekend. There's just no doubt about it. They've got to pressure Spencer Rattler. I'm going to say B plus. Um, I I, I think Felix and Adike Uzama. That is nice. Thank you. Is that good? He has been the best uh, defensive you end. Out dash. There's no oh. <laughs> I like him. Um, Bronson Massey. We talked about Boomer a little bit um, in the during the break, but he hasn't really done as much as I. I think people maybe thought he would. I think that's coming though. As long as he can stay healthy, that's been his biggest thing, um, and especially with Khalid Duke out, that's that's going to be huge. Just because I'm going to give them an A, I think with Khalid Duke out. Now that grade could severely go down. 
again, we've got to see Nate Matlack. That's a guy that I want to see on the field because I think he can be just as good as Khalid Duke. And if we see him start to do really good things. He looked good against Nevada. He did. I think that's somebody who will help us raise our grade for the defensive linemen, but for the defensive ends. But I'm going to give him an A. I'll go A minus. I like I like Nate Matlack a lot. Mm-hmm. I like Felix Duque Uzama. Is that how you say it? Yep. Is that how we're saying it? Yes. Um, huh. it's, <laughs> <laughs> um, who, who's the other one? Boom. Yeah. Is there anybody else that's been in the rotation? Well, Pickles played a lot of DN as well. Jam yeah, Pickle. he has. Um, yeah. Spencer Trussell played quite a that's bit. That's right. Spencer Trussell did play. So I, I don't think they were too bad. And... I mean, obviously that can go down if things go south. But as long as NDK Uzama's getting in the backfield, I'm, you know, I think they're doing all right. Oh, A minus. It's been very solid. Okay. You agree? Yeah. Dynamite drop in. <laughs> DT. <laughs> DT. Daniel Thomas. Uh, he's a really good running back, but he's been out of eligibility for quite a while. He signed a lot of autographs his rookie season in the NFL. Yeah, he did. Yeah. I, uh, I've i been pleasantly surprised. I thought Timmy Horn was pretty good at Oklahoma State. I thought he moved the line of scrimmage. Uh, I thought Eli Huggins struggled down there. Um, but overall, I think they've been pretty good. I'm going to go... Oh, B plus. I'm going an A because I think it's the best unit on the entire team. Mm. Um, as a whole, defensive line, not just defense attack. Okay. As a whole, defensive line, best unit on the entire team. Um, so, yeah, I think Timmy Horn has been, again, very pleasantly surprised. But like Chris Kleiman said today, he needs to do more. He knows he can do more. At what point is he going to take the next step and really be a dominant force? I don't know. But if he can do that, then this is going to be an A. Then it's going to be an A plus. But because him and Eli Huggins have been fairly dominant at times, take out the Oklahoma State game, I would have. If you would have asked me this, you know, after the Nevada game, I'd have said A plus. But I'm going to go A after the Oklahoma State game. I'm going to go B plus. But I agree with the points you made, Cole. I think the defensive line is the best overall unit on the team right now. I third that. I, I think it's I thrice it. I don't know. I Austin Trice it. Austin Trice it. Okay, that's very good. Linebacker. I could have guessed that one. Linebacker. Uh, this is tough. A minus. I know. I think actually the linebackers have been pretty good, with the exception of the second half of the Stanford game. Is that right? Is that mm-hmm. what I'm thinking of? They've certainly exceeded expectations for what we had at the beginning of the season, yeah. where we had Daniel Green, Cody yeah. Fletcher, and that was pretty much those were the guys. Daniel yeah. Green's been outstanding, he, amazing, especially um, for not playing in not a, a full, full game. game. <laughs> um, he's been amazing. I thought I think Cody Fletcher's been just rock solid, doing all the stuff right. And I was really happy to see Nick Allen play well in the second half of Oklahoma State because this team needs that. They can't have a dramatic drop-off from one to two like we saw earlier in the year. It was good to see Nick just really rack up a lot of tackles. He was in the middle of a lot of things going on in the second half. I, I'm going to give him an A. I think Daniel Green has been an NFL-caliber linebacker to this point. It would not surprise me at all to see him try and go the NFL route next year. Well, I'm not going to let him. Don't yeah. worry. I'm, I'm not going to let him. Okay, good fits. You just got to give him a bear hug. I'm giving him an A. I'd give him a B, but if you look at the second part of the question, how does it compare to the preseason expectation, I'd have to give him like an A or an A+. Because they have – I mean, this was like the the weakest spot on the defense, if not the weakest spot on the team, right, coming into the year. And they've been fine. They've held their own. So I'll give him an A-plus in that regard. Okay. 
Cornerback? That's a long question. El Camino Cat. Thanks. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of things going on here. Uh, cornerback. <sighs> they haven't really done anything bad. That's that's kind of where I'm at. Like we heard so many good things about Julius Prince. I've been a little underwhelmed, quite honestly. With I've been underwhelmed too. Julius Prince. I see some good things, and then I see some other things. Tackling in space has been an issue. He's lost his man a few times. Yeah, and he he had his playing time cut quite a bit. I think in Oklahoma State we saw a lot more of T. Denson and Justin Gardner as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I think T. Denson's playing really well right now. But the now. fact that you can go to a whole nother wave of guys improves my grade. I'm going to go a nice, solid B-plus on the corners. Yeah, I'm there. B-plus. I'm, I'm going to go an A-minus just because um, of the depth. And again, they haven't really caused a ton of turnovers in the secondary with the cornerback position. But at the same time, they didn't really get exposed like I thought maybe they could now. Granted, Spencer Sanders looked good in the first half, but I will take a dominant performance over Carson Strong for four quarters over a decent showing by Spencer Sanders for two quarters. So you said I'm A minus. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can get them above that A line simply because their play hasn't been good enough to take any pressure or weight off of any other part of the defense's shoulders. Does that make any sense? Well, they're not above the A line. <laughs> an A minus. Ah, eh. That's A line. An A's an A. We're and just a, we're adding high score. A- we're putting them in we're putting them in percentage points here. We're like ninety two to nine or ninety to ninety three percent with that A minus. Fair enough. I'm but also, that. if we're going to call the defensive line the best unit on the defense, we got to compensate elsewhere. You can't just throw out. You can't just give out gold stars to everybody, bud. I just I really like the production, but I I think there's more. So yeah. Last but not least, can you Fitz? Can you guess this one? Uh, what we should all do when we leave here tonight. What we should all do if we're ever in the end zone with a loose football and we were on offense. Kick the ball? Out of the end zone we're for do, a safety. We're doing kickers now? We're doing kickers now? Safeties, I am going to say B. Mm-hmm. B. They're good, but I'm not seeing enough J-Mac. I don't know if he's dinged up or what. I want more J-Mac. He had a nice little hit uh, yeah. in the second half in that game. Mm-hmm. That was nice. Uh, B yeah. minus. He is, uh, his effort was really good, though, in Stillwater. He never gave up. Oh, what is this? Participation trophies? We're just going to give out medals to everybody now? Well, Fitz said well, that's he what didn't. what you were doing. <laughs> I, I thought he was – I don't think he was on the field enough. No. Okay. I, okay, I okay. want him on the field more. Okay. Um, overall, I think they're pretty good. I think this defense has the makings of being really, really good. They just weren't in the first half at Oklahoma State. They benefited in the second half from Mike Gundy telling his team, don't turn the ball over. We're going to be really safe here. The only thing, only way we can lose is if we help them. And so the defense benefited from that. But overall, I think this defense is capable of holding Oklahoma. This is this is a serious, serious piece of analysis here, folks. I think – Kansas State's defense is able to hold Oklahoma low enough in scoring for the offense to outscore that. I mean, I that's the bottom line. Can your defense hold them to enough points for your offense to outdo it? And even with the K-State's offensive struggles, I think this defense is capable of that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think the State's has been good. I think overall the defense has been good. I, I'd give Joe Klanderman a A- so far just because I'm a tough grader. 
Courtney Messingham, then. What do you give him? Okay, I'm not going to talk about it. <laughs> are we going to do specialists? Because I want to do specialists. Yeah, sure, we can. Not on, not on the script. I don't El know Camino, I'm doing okay? it. El Camino, I'm just breaking here, and I'm going to do it. Uh, Tate and Winkle came in today to the media room. I couldn't have picked him out of a lineup. He has been very good. He had the one miss, but he's been rock solid. I thought special teams, with the exception of the Malik Knowles hesitation, bringing it out of the end zone, was outstanding. Out in in Stillwater. I mean, the punting was incredible. Ty punted really well in Stillwater. I mean, he had not, he had one bad punt against Nevada, I think, where yeah. he shanked it. Mm-hmm. But other than that, to punt the ball seven times and average fifty it. yards is damn impressive. Like a plus for the special teams for me. Yeah, like he's probably the best leg since Nick Walsh, which really wasn't that long ago. No, that and it really may have it may have not uh there may have not been that. any uh, overlap there, but I think he might be one of the best punters K State's had good. in a long time. Good, I'm really happy with special teams. Let's move on to something else. Ryan Dore. what a name! Way to pull that. Wildcat Pilot eighty eight asks any updates on the younger wide receivers to get on the field this year. I'm sorry, I don't. I'm I, I'm not. I'm not asking about young guys in press conferences. I want to know what the hell's going on with the guys that are playing. They talked about Jalen Travis a little bit, I think. Was it last week? Um, so I have yet to see him. On the other guy that we thought maybe would get on the field is RJ Garcia. I don't even think he's traveling. So I, At this point, he's a four-game redshirt guy. Yeah. They're going to focus. We know that. They're gonna, they, they have their guys, and they're going to roll with them. So, yeah, I, I don't think that happens anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we don't have much to report there. <laughs> From KLG Digital, and Zach has told me to welcome him. He's a new member to the hmm. site. Hey, not he or she. He or now. she. Them is new. <laughs> Having Skyler this season was never the plan, so we can't blame this quarterback situation on his injury. Who is to blame for the lack of dynamic quarterback? Of a dynamic quarterback, excuse me. Howard was thrown in last year too young, but he has far too much experience to merit the poor result this year. Why isn't there an older QB ready to take over? That's a good point. That's a great point. That's a good point. I, I mean, we're not seeing any development from the guys they recruited. This has been pointed out. Um, and, I mean, there's a quarterback coach named Colin Klein. At the end of the day, I don't care who you are, you're accountable for your work result. And if... If we don't see more advancement from the quarterbacks, one of the favorite sons of K-State football is going to be under some scrutiny from fans. I I scoffed at first when people said they need to go to the transfer portal for a quarterback next year. First of all, it screws up your room. I mean, you've got guys that kind of feel like they're in a, you know, they can manage the room. I can be better than this guy. This You bring someone in, it's like you roll a hand grenade into it, and you might end up with two transfers out of that. So I'm a little tentative about that, but I'm much more open to the idea after the Stillwater game than I was before. They might need to go find someone that can come in and play. These guys have to develop. They have to get better. This is not acceptable. I don't understand how through the years K-State can run up against against second-string quarterbacks and have issues. And it seems like the second-string quarterbacks in Manhattan don't give anyone any issues. Well, it's frustrating. You know who that quarterback was supposed to be? It was supposed to be Chris Heron. Yeah. I mean, they, they had two guys. They had back-to-back guys. Newcomb, right? Holcomb. 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 John Holcomb. John Holcomb. Yeah. <laughs> I just went, I went to an old tennis name. I don't know where that came from. John Holcomb and uh, 
Yeah. It, that's what that, Chris Heron, we're back-to-back quarterback recruits that left. Mm-hmm. They, that's the gap in there. Um, they both thought they could play quarterback elsewhere, and that didn't really worked out well. I will say, my grand plan fits. This is what I think is going to happen. I'm, I've looked into my crystal ball, and I figured out what's going to happen. Graham Mertz is going to get benched at Wisconsin. Hmm. Then he's going to transfer to K State in the middle of the season. He's going to and he's going to announce he's entered the transfer portal. Chris Kleiman is going to get him to come to K State, and Graham Mertz will be the starting quarterback at Kansas State next year. There we go. I will bet a lot of money that that will not happen. I've looked into my crystal ball. I've seen it. Well, I would. Bet, I think I it's a little cloudy. But I think I think really what they should do is next year it's Will's spot to lose, and once it's time. It's Jake Rubley. And from then on, if that's, you know, if he's playing well, I think that's going to be it. But at the end of the day, you should expect one of the two to transfer, I think. And with Will being the older one, he's had experience. If, you know, for whatever reason, if Skyler goes down again this year uh, or, you know, he makes it to next season and, you know, there's a battle between Will and Jake, I think you give it to Will and it's his until he loses it. That's the way I see it being the best case scenario, I guess, for your quarterback room. I don't think you can possibly go to the transfer portal and then, unless there's somebody on the level of Joe Burrow or Jalen Hurts, you know, doing one of those two type of moves that happened in the transfer portal. You know, those are the only types of guys that I would even consider bringing in. Yeah, guys that are established leader type. Yeah. Like, well, you're going to play in the NFL next year. And be a first round pick kind of guy. So Graham Mertz is is he is he in any mock drafts? I would like to say that if you have to go to the transfer portal because none of your young quarterbacks are good, there's a lot of things you need to question. Mm-hmm. First of all, Will Howard came in, you thought highly of him, and he was good enough to play as a true freshman. There was times when he looked to like there was something there last year, and then all the defenses caught up to him. It was unfair. He just didn't stand a chance. Once they had some injuries and everyone took away Deuce Vaughn, I mean, Will Howard wasn't in a position to win any games last year. He should be much better than what we've seen. Maybe he is. Maybe he would have won the game on Saturday if he hadn't gotten dinged up. We'll see. Maybe you'll lead them to victory over Oklahoma. I doubt it. Jaron Lewis is in year three. At this point, I'm starting to wonder what his role is on the team other than being the emergency backup because that's what he looks like. I see something there with him, uh, but I don't think it's at the Big 12 level. I think he was a good FCS quarterback or a lower level. I personally would find a different position for him, and if he's not athletic enough to be in another position like wide receiver, then get the scholarship back. Or unless he just wants to stay and be the depth guy, which is a rare thing nowadays. But if you can find a quarterback that has some skill to him that's saying, hey, I'm fine. I want to be part of this team. I'm invested. I'll be third string. I'll be ready to play when you need me. That's a gift. And Jake Rubley, people, will you quit screaming for him to play this year? Just stop it. It's stupid. He's not in a position to play. The coaches have said it. We've said it. He's been injured. I, I think it's a hamstring is what I've heard. He didn't get a, a fall. He didn't have a senior season because Iowa pulled the rug out from under him when he transferred from Colorado. He's not ready to play. Will you quit bringing it up? It's Every time I hear it now, 
I want to point and say, idiot. I mean, seriously, <laughs> stop with this. He's not ready to play. It, they, did you hear Chris Kleiman at the press conference? So Skyler's hurt. Will Howard gets hurt. And he's describing Jaron Lewis as their last quarterback. <laughs> and Jake Rubley was on the trip and suited up. He's not ready to play. He would have been an absolute emergency quarterback, and I'm not convinced he is the emergency quarterback. I mean, it might well be Sammy Wheeler or or uh, Ryan Hennington. I don't know. But we better see a lot of progress because the truth of college football is if you're at a, if you're average at quarterback, you're at average at best as a team, and if you're really good at quarterback, you have a chance to be a really good team. You can't win in college football with an average or below average quarterback. Mm-hmm. It's not possible. It's just not. You can have a game manager at the NFL. Trent Dilfer, right? Didn't he win a Super Bowl? Mm-hmm. Not a great quarterback, but a manager. You can get away with that because there's enough talent in the NFL. College, you better have a quarterback. And I don't see that quarterback in the room right now in the current status. Well, people hate hearing this, but. A team like Kansas State can't be really good year in and year out. You're going to have your ups and your downs. So you're going to have to have an average quarterback to get a good quarterback. Will Howard's going to have to play and get experienced to become good, right? So if you want to grab a transfer quarterback for next year, that's fine. What the hell do you do after that? Yeah. yeah. Like what, what's, what's the, what's what the point of getting yeah. Will Howard experience if you're just going to put somebody else that you consider to have more experience Mm -hmm. at some point will howard needs to sink or swim and Mm -hmm. even it was unfortunate he got injured but we don't know if he could have won the game against oklahoma state and i think he could have had a if he would have had the shot i I think he could have done it but he's still we're at this point where it's just he needs he needs to earn it show us your stripes what can you do because last year we can discount last year but at some point i want to see will howard play a full game against a conference opponent and go out and try winning the game well you bring up a good point you bring in a transfer quarterback you're then going to stunt the growth of the guys that that is a sign of we've given up on you guys Mm -hmm. so why would they stick around i mean at that point you bring in a transfer will howard's probably gone and maybe Jaron Lewis and Jake Rubley, it's his job after the transfer. I don't think they're going to sign a quarterback in this class. They want Avery Johnson. I don't know if that'll work out. I, I just, I would like to see them find a more dynamic athlete at quarterback. It's become obvious to me that they need the quarterback run to make this offense work. You know, as much as they talked about getting away and protecting the quarterback, the reality is to move the ball as Kansas State you probably have to have the quarterback run game. You're not going to get the elite receivers that your Alabama quarterback can just throw the ball up and they're going to be open. It's just not how it works. Um, So I mean, they're probably going to have to go find more of a dual-threat quarterback moving forward. They're not recruiting dual-threat quarterbacks, but then they're using them as dual-threat quarterbacks, and that makes no sense to me. Makes no sense. From Ohio Power Cat, any updates on injuries for the Oklahoma game, and can we expect Daniel Imaterbebe and Skylar Thompson back? I don't think Bebe will be back from what I'm hearing. Um, I expect Skylar to play. I think it was all gamesmanship on Chris Kleiman's part. I've been told it's not just guesswork. I've been told he's playing. But who knows? I mean, if they don't feel like they're in a position to win the game, 
which I don't know why you go into a game thinking that. You would, you don't play him. You do save him. You get him the off week, and you get him as close to 100% as you can for Iowa State. But I don't see how you're going to hold him off the field. He gives Sky- you the best chance to win. Yeah, and Skyler Thompson is going to demand to play. If he can get out there and move in any way, and they can brace up that knee so the PCL's protected, he's going to play. He's absolutely going to play. You, you're you not going to be able to keep him off the field. He's beaten this team twice. And I don't know. Someone asked this question. Has anyone, a college quarterback, beaten OU three years in a row? When Who's the last person to do that? You, you probably have to go way back to find that. And just even finding somebody that beat them three years in a row doesn't mean they had the same quarterback for all right. three years. Yeah, to, have to find this a quarterback is... that beat someone three years in a row, if he can accomplish that, it's pretty historic stuff. Yeah. He scares the hell out of Oklahoma fans. I can tell you that right now. I, I agree. Well, it's that beard. Man, that's so much sexy in one helmet. It's unbelievable. Mm. It's not fair. It's not fair to anyone. Jake Waters level? Oh, no. Okay. Jake was special. Jacob Pollen. The beard. That w- that was a Jake, and it was a beard, but not the beard we were not, fearing. Not the not the football <clears throat> version. I know. Are the cats? This comes from Case KSU number one. Are the cats a sleeper in the upcoming brewskit ball season? You just asked yourself a question, Gills. Go for hey, it. Hey, look. So the someone said they're the coaches identified them as the. I, I didn't follow this at all. That someone said they're the upstart. The team, according that, to the athletic, mm-hmm. according to the athletic, anonymous coach. Okay, so I think um, I, I think the analysis on Wabash Station has been spot on. This team will be much better than last year's team. They absolutely will be. I like who they brought in. They didn't bring in anyone world changing, but they brought in guys that appear to help them in ways where they needed help. And I think the, the younger guys will improve and kind of fill in. I, I feel good about them. But I also feel like the league got a lot better. I feel like the league is really tough. And so I'm not sure they made up any ground on the rest of the league. And that's a problem because this needs to be a tournament year. And if even if you're a forgiving soul, this needs to be a bubble year. Well, they almost made it in. They got in the NIT, so we're going to keep him. You know, they they just have to make a breakthrough. They could possibly. I really like some of these young players. I think they're a foundation for the program, whether it's Bruce's program or someone else's. If they can maintain these players, I think there's hope for the program. But I don't know if they got good enough through the transfer portal because other programs got really good through it. I don't know if the Big 12 improved that much. I mean, Baylor, I think last season was the peak of their mountain. Yeah. Oklahoma State lost the over the number one overall pick, right? You know, teams are going to take a step back. Texas lost their head coach. So well, Texas is going to be really good. They they went out and Texas me, lost Texas their Texas Texas Texas, 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 Texas Texas lost their head coach and, and they got the other ones. best coach in <laughs> the league. <laughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> I mean, I think the door is open for a middle-of-the-pack team, though. I think, you know, you can pass Oklahoma, you can pass TCU. Is that a pun? Is that a pun? Middle-of-the-pack pun? Middle-of-the-Nigel pack? Ha-ha, yeah. He's going to be uh, middle. Just give up. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's... Try to... So, middle-of-the-pack gets you in the NCAA tournament in the Big 12. With the Big 12 this year, sure. And it always will. And so, if that's true, they got to get in. They just have to get into the field of 64. But Bruce isn't going anywhere. Even if you want him to get fired, 
he's going to grasp onto however close they were and say next season after this one is the one where it's all going to come together. We've seen this story a million times. Well, I think we're finally reaching Gene Taylor has point where not reached that point. It's going to be the finances will get them there because I think season tickets are in the crapper. I really think they're having problems with that. We'll see. We'll see this year. I think last year you can't really. No, last year you can't judge. Even though I believe it would have been the same exact capacity with or without a pandemic. The I same agree. exact. But that's apart from the point. And if you're if you're to the point with K State fans when they stop showing up, totally, you burn that down to the very end mm-hmm. because this is a this fan base shows up. They do. They can be frustrated. They can be pissed off. Some won't show up. But for the most part, they stay invested. And if you're good, they go to volleyball. If you're good, they go to baseball. If you're good in a sport, they'll show up. They're not just football or basketball fans. So if you wear them down to the point where good fans say, well, I'm still going to buy tickets, but I'm done driving to Manhattan twice a week to watch a bad basketball team. I'll just go over on a Saturday once in a while, but I don't want to give up my tickets because I want those seats when they get good again. And this is the misinterpretation I've seen ADs do. Well, people are still getting their tickets, but they're not showing up. So maybe you're not seeing it fully on your bottom line, but they're not invested any more than writing you a check. That's it. They're done. They need butts and seats. They need butts and seats. Well, let me ask you guys, though, if I were to tell you to assume that Masood and Smith are going to be the real deal, which is what we're hearing, Nigel Peck at point guard, Davion Bradford at the five, and Micah McGurl, who's a good anchor and can keep your offense and you know some strong defense there. That's a solid team if Masood and Smith are who we think they are. If. You can't deny that. If. No, I, yeah. no, I like it. I think they did, get, they did improve themselves. There's no doubt about it. And I think Selton McGill will be better. I think mm-hmm. we'll see other guys – Maybe Kazuki can make a shot. <clears throat> oh, wow. There he went. There he just <laughs> dropped it right there on the show. Um, y- you know, yeah, I I think maybe his role will be better defined now with the deeper bench. Sure. Um, uh, Iziagu, I think he's – look, they got some decent along. players. They, Lingard they, can learn the playbook a little bit better. Right. I, I have nothing wrong with these players if they really had one stud – Everyone would benefit from it. Nigel Pack would be better. Bradford would be better. Just go get a Mitch Richmond. That's all you need. Just one Mitch Richmond. Drop him in on the team. Maybe Mitch is retired from the NBA. He probably still could hoop. Like, we can name him Rich Mitchmond. Would he qualify for an extra COVID year? Uh, maybe. 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 He was around for the Spanish flu. He's just played so long ago. Maybe get a year for that. I'm sorry, but it, going into this season, it feels like the same as last season. You got a bunch of new guys, and there's a lot of hope. And like, hey, we got better than we were last year. For this year, it just feels like the same exact thing with different names. That's all it is for me. Until they go into conference play and they can win some games. I'm selling this team. I'm sorry. If this is this is what it sounds like, Ryan. Listening to you talk about the basketball sounds like me talking about football. <laughs> if this can happen, if this can happen, if this can happen, then they're going to be really good. Well, you guys mark my word. Smith and Masood are the real deal. Okay. Smith and Masood. So if they out if if Kazuki outscores either of them, what is the podcast bet we are making here? <laughs> I'll give you anything and everything you want. Someone's going to be eating Impossible Whoppers every week. 
Oh, and that weirdo who'd like them. Oh, it's delicious. It's so good. It's so much better than beef. I like that, that inner dude voice you just channeled. <laughs> Everybody listening, that's how he talks when he's impersonating his dog. Yeah. It's... I like gills. Oh, right. Gills pets me. <laughs> Do we got more questions? Cause this <laughs> One is, more. It's getting long, man. <laughs> Dan, the Wildcat fan. His question is the last of this episode. Should the Big 12 negotiate Oklahoma and Texas out of the conference for next year so the remaining teams get prime TV spots while the league still has some in this TV deal? I I think they'll be in the league next year. I think the buyout, I think everything will drop in 23. I think that'll be what everyone agrees on. 23 will be the conversion. American will come to agreement to let those teams go. BYU already said they can't come in until 23, and they just announced that. Who'd they announce? Notre Dame in Vegas? In Vegas. Was it Notre Dame? Uh-huh. How weird. Um, man, I want to be the Sprite vendor for that week in Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. That's it? Yeah, that's it. Um, I think you got to get as much money as possible from OU in Texas. Yeah, you absolutely have to get the buyout. As, as fun as it would be to let them leave for free – Four years from now or three years from now, whatever it is, you got to try getting as much money as possible because your money's going down once they leave. What this, this doesn't do anyone any good to prolong this. Just come to a buyout and get it done. But maybe that's what they're banking on, that you'll come back off. But they don't want to pay $75 million, just hang up the phone and say, okay, guys, we'll, we'll keep playing with you and we'll make sure we schedule you to go to Cincinnati and Orlando and Provo and Houston so that you get to play there. Let us know when you're serious about buying out and getting out of this conference. But but it really, 23 needs to be the year. This can't go on. I'm, I don't want to play them Saturday. I want to be done with them. Now, let me ask you this question to, to build off this as we have the world's longest second half of a podcast. <laughs> um, would this conference be better this year if the other teams were in? And OU and Texas 100%. were 100%. You have more depth, and mm-hmm. BYU is better than Texas, I think. If OU and – as we sit here right now, if OU and Texas was a championship game, would Cincinnati and BYU be a better game? For what? Yeah, it's still, it's still what? hard to get the, the programming out of your brain that OU in Texas is supposed to be an amazing game. That's right. Even though Cincinnati and BYU would probably be a better football game from start to finish, man, OU Texas is just still – it's just how we're wired. Right. There's we no – it's just – it's the way it is. And until the conference realignment changes and once Texas falls into obscurity in the SEC, right. we're going to keep seeing them as this big power. And and unfortunately, people will just judge the conference by the 1970s. I mean, that's, that's what we're talking about here. Outside of Miami and Florida State, every team they talk about as a power had did something in the 70s. Yeah. How does that affect today at all? I'm I'm kind of fed up with. I understand viewing habits. Ooh, it like triggers something. Oh, you was playing Texas. I gotta watch that or Arkansas. Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I I don't know. I think the new conference is going to be fun. I think it's going to be competitive. Teams will emerge from it as you know being the power. 
It's going to be a lot of fun. I do. I, it's time to move on. I was talking to someone up at K-State about this today. Um, I'm just, I'm done with them. I'm particularly done with Texas. Now that I found out that we don't have to deal with Texas anymore, I don't want to deal with them anymore now. Take the T out of in the AS, and so that's just X. Yep. It's like marrying for money. The yacht sure is fun, but eventually you realize your spouse stinks. And that's what Texas has been. They've been a bad partner. They've been narcissistic. And whatever they wanted, they had to have. Okay. I'm done with them mentally, so I don't even want to do next year, but I don't think that's feasible. BYU can come in 23. I think the American teams can be made available by then. And if those teams in Texas and Oklahoma don't want to pay the buyout, then we're going to have a 14-team a conference for a while. And I hope they go everywhere. Mm-hmm. I would just, I would stack a division with them and the new teams <laughs> and Kansas. Why are you giving them the luxury of playing Kansas? Because they, then they have to have the luxury of having a crappy game. <laughs> Put them on ESPN Plus. Right. That's actually not a bad idea. Is that it? Are we done? KU's playing on cable this weekend while Kansas State had a top 25 matchup on ESPN Plus. It's all about subscribers. Nobody's nobody from KU is subscribing. I know, they've already I know. they've already watched miles to go. <laughs> well, I mean, that was just because that was an ACC game. I mean, it was an ACC home game, so they were on ACC channel, which I don't even we don't get that here, do we? No, I'm talking about FS1 against Iowa State on Saturday. Oh, lost because Iowa State. That's all because Iowa yeah, State. Yeah, K State's. I'm not going to say they're better than Iowa State. That's it. We're done. Nobody let nobody made it through this second half. <laughs> There's none of you are listening. Even dude fell asleep. Daphne's not even demanding Zach Petter anymore. They're over this podcast. Why are you still here? Make sure you check out our pregame podcast dropping on Thursday at Go Powercat. Ryan Wallace, Brian Hanley, and Ryan Gilbert. We're gonna talk about the cats and Sooners. And make sure you check out our videos at GoPower. Just check out everything. Just be a good customer. Come over, sign up, do it. Thank you for listening to the PowerCat Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.